Acts 2, 42 through 47, the fellowship of the believers. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Thank you, Michaela. Thank you. You may be seated. Do you remember in September... That was a good rhyme. Do you remember in September when we began studying Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47? And as I introduced my reasoning for going to that passage, I explained to you um, that I felt it was time to move my foot from the gas pedal to, I mean, from the brake pedal to the gas pedal, in a sense. Uh, what I meant by that was since I've been here, I have felt very um, clearly that I needed to work to try to shore up our foundation and trust in Jesus Christ and that to move beyond that too quickly into a lot of vigorous activity as a church was really dangerous because it would potentially suck people into church activity and they never would have thought much about Jesus. And then we'd have a bunch of unsaved people doing church stuff. And clearly I don't want that and you don't want that. And and so as things have begun to shift, I'm, I'm rounding out my fifth year with you now and um, many different things um, contributed to me feeling like it's time to maybe start to, to look forward a little bit and move forward a little bit. And my hope was that during this sermon series, as we looked at the example of the early church, we might get some clarity together and, and be able to, with unity, start to think about how we might move forward. And I think that is happening. I think the uh, revival services and the discussions uh, connected with those have been very helpful too. Now, one of my desires, I have to be totally honest, is I do want Doolin's Grove to grow. It, it seems like a healthy or, organism or organization will, will grow. It just seems to be the way it is. I, I do want to, over time, see our pews fill more and more. That would be great. I, I, I do want to see our Sunday school classrooms get full and us start to need more, more teachers. I want to see our living rooms get full of people and more and more house to house groups. I really want to see those things. You guys, are y'all interested in that? Okay. So then the question comes, well, how do we move toward that? And the way this passage ends speaks to it very effectively. You know, this whole time verses 42 through the first part of 47 has been all about what the church did in Acts chapter 2. That's what the whole focus has been. And in fact, you guys on the computer can go ahead and yeah, zoom right there. You already did it. Man, you guys are sharp. Now here we have the very last phrase in the passage, the last sermon in the series. Um, and we see the one lone thing, the one activity that is attributed specifically to the Lord in this passage. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. We saw that the church devoted themselves to the teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. 
And we saw the corollaries of that included spending a lot of time together and sharing meals together and sharing their resources together. And we saw the joy that they experienced as they did this. And we saw the, the, um, the breakdown of the class barriers and uh, just the beautiful portrait of what the church was like. But here we get this glimpse into the spirit world. We see the spiritual work that the Lord was doing all the while. He was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Now, one thing you've heard me say to you many times since I've been here is that I want you to be the church. Be the church. That's, that's in fact, the whole title of this sermon series is being the church. When I think about my desire to see us grow, both healthy and numerically, I do want to see more people come to Christ and join our fellowship because I think we have a good thing going here. I still, the Holy Spirit still keeps pointing me back to the fact that we are to focus on being the church, not so much building the church. That our job is mainly being the church and that the Lord mainly is the one who adds to the church, who builds the church. Now, some of you are already thinking, but what about our responsibility to evangelize and make disciples? What about the Great Commission? You know, Jesus commands us. It is the, the centerpiece of our vision for who we are. You know, I have told you many times we are to love God and love people and then bring those two passions together in making disciples. Isn't that a burden on our shoulders to build the church? Jesus did command us to make disciples. But remember in Matthew 16, 18, he also told Peter, that he would build his church. So it's going to be important for us to think clearly here. What is the difference? Clearly, we're meant to evangelize. Clearly, we're meant to give the gospel to people who don't have it. Clearly, we're meant to make disciples and bring new people into the fold and give them Jesus and teach them how to grow. But there's a difference between being the church in regard to evangelism and building the church in regard to evangelism. It's a difference in focus. I want to take just a few minutes to try to clarify it with you. Okay, I'm trying to remember what I put on the slides. Okay, good. So far, so good. No, back one. <laughs> try to get high tech with slides. I first want to outline for you sort of what it looks like to be the church in regard to evangelism. Okay, so I'm going to pack all this into one side of your brain, and then I'm going to point to what it looks like when we focus on trying to build the church in regard to evangelism. We'll stick that on that side of your brain, and we'll kind of compare and contrast. If we are being evangelistic and making disciples in the sense of being the church, it will begin with us personally as individuals putting our faith in Jesus Christ and following Jesus Christ. Now, that seems redundant for me to say again, but so many of us just skip right over that step. So many of us just take that for granted. Well, if I'm doing church stuff, I've got Jesus and just step right over that. It starts with us trusting in Jesus for forgiveness of our sins and recognizing that he is arisen again and he is our Lord and following him as Lord. It starts there. And then it flows from there into giving the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, to people who haven't heard. Okay? Nothing new here. This is classic evangelism. 
it, it's nudging people toward Jesus. And then Lord willing, people being saved through the supernatural means of the gospel. Remember Romans 1? Do I need to preach Romans again? All the way through? Romans 1, the gospel is the power of God to salvation. So it starts with us being changed by Jesus, proceeds into us giving Jesus to people or nudging people toward Jesus through the gospel, and then God using the gospel to save more people. Create, create them anew, new creatures in Christ Jesus. Then these newly saved people then adding into the church. Okay, so evangelism as being the church is adding saved people into the church through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then these saved people, you know, are growing. They have the Holy Spirit because they're Christians, so they're gifted to serve. They become vital functioning parts of the body. And then as they mature, they begin to repeat the process and they give the gospel to others and nudge people toward Christ. Okay, so that's being the church and doing evangelism. Now, keep that sealed in your mind and now picture trying to build the church in regard to evangelism. Okay, when I, when I, what I mean by building the church as opposed to being the church is when we commit ourselves to church rather than committing ourselves to Jesus. And this happens. Commit ourselves to the church. And then our next step is to give people the good news of church, the gospel of church. So instead of saying, hey, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Here's why I believe in Jesus. Here's what Jesus has done for me. Oh, you're struggling with that? Well, I don't know if you're open to hearing this, but here's what the Bible says about it. Jesus died for that. You can't stop doing that, but Jesus can save you from it, et cetera, et cetera. Instead of that, it's, well, you should go to church. Why don't you come to my church? Are you going to church enough? Church will solve your problems. Jesus will solve your problems. Church will solve your problems. You see the difference? Okay. So it starts with commitment to church, and then it proceeds into giving the good news of church to people. That may take the form of putting up billboards. It might take the form of of static cling stickers to every car. It might take the form of signs everywhere, direct mail, marketing. I know it seems like I'm vilifying marketing. It's not necessarily evil, but often when we're committed to building the church as opposed to being the church, we have a lot of energy for marketing the church. You know, being the church takes a lot of time and energy. And often there's not a lot of extra time and energy to market and build the church. For being the church, we'll probably have to trust Jesus to do his part of building the church. So we're over here, we commit to church, we give the good news of the church, and we, we, we then add attenders into the church. We start to fill the pews with attenders. Okay, now over here, we were filling the pews maybe more slowly, but with saved Christians who trust in Jesus, follow Jesus, have the Holy Spirit. Over here, maybe through events or pragmatic endeavors of whatever form they may take, we start to fill the classrooms in the church with attenders who are here to receive the goodness of church, not so much the goodness of Jesus. These unsaved attenders will either remain in the church, sort of like a, uh, uh, either a benign or malignant cyst in your body that's not a part of the body, doesn't function in any way, but they're here. Or they'll realize that a lot of the promises they thought they were going to receive from the church 
aren't coming to fruition because they haven't seen Jesus. They're seeing church and they leave. Being the church is about devotion. Remember all our talk about devotion, continually giving ourselves to following Christ, to, to the teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the prayers. Building the church calls for a lot of action and activity and pragmatic things that we just hope are going to work to get people in, keep people in. Being the church is Jesus-focused. Building the church is church-focused. When, you're, when we're focused on being the church, discipleship is the victory. When we see one or two or three genuinely saved new believers and they're growing, that is a win. When building the church is our mode, attendance is our victory. When we see more people, we don't really know if they're trusting Jesus. We don't really even know them. And you know, we're not involved with them beyond seeing them Sunday mornings, but they're here. It's a win. Being the church requires the supernatural hand of the Lord. It's impossible without God, without the gospel being true. Often building the church only requires the ingenuity of man. How to make it appealing, how to make it marketable. So my big point is, as we move to the gas pedal, we want to move this direction. Whereas this direction looks really good sometimes. If I had sent out a direct mailer and we had 25 new people sitting in here this morning, that would seem awesome. And I'm going to, so I don't want to lose you. I don't want you to think that I'm totally against trying to bring people to the church. It's a matter of focus. This way is going to seem to, often this way is going to seem to produce bigger results faster. But it's going to be a mutation of a church. This, depending on what the Lord does, it may be 3,000 in a day, or it may be day by day, slow addition of genuine new believers. But it's going to be real. It's going to be healthy. It's going to be the church. So let's devote ourselves to being the church and ask the Lord to build the church because I do want to see it grow. So I want now to take a few minutes. We'll get back into this verse, Acts 2.47. I just want to give you three quick points of what it looks like when the Lord adds to the church. Let me read it to you again. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Those two bits of that phrase are very important. And the Lord means master. In Acts, if you, if you look through the book of Acts and you see how evangelism worked, you know, usually it was the church trying to give people Jesus, trying to explain the gospel, and then really leaving the results up to the master, up to the Lord. There's only so much we can do. We can't regenerate someone's heart. We can't save people's souls. Jesus does it. The Lord does it. And who did he add to the church? Those who are being saved. Just think about all the things that must take place for a person to be saved. 
Think about all the supernatural activity that must take place for a person to be saved. Well, they have to see that they're sinful. They have to recognize that they need a savior. And the Bible teaches that it's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin. And, and when we see the purity of God in the gospel, so they've got to see that. They've got to hear the gospel and then God works through that. That's his power to save people through a message that's foolishness to most people. They're created anew. They're new creatures when this happens. Those are just things that we can't do. I I can't make you a new creature. So when the Lord adds to the church, it is supernatural. How many churches are loaded down with unregenerate, unbelieving people? They don't have the Holy Spirit, so there's no conviction of sin. There's no spiritual giftedness. They can't possibly function as a part of the body. Spiritually speaking, they're like corpses. We cannot forget how supernatural the church is. It's inexplicable apart from the fact that God really is who he is, who he says he is. And Christ really is who he claims to be. When the Lord adds to the church, the, the Lord is the only possible explanation for the addition. The good news here is that means anybody can be added to the church because it's the Lord who does it. Nothing can stop him. So, you know, you have people in your life that you're really concerned about or that you just cannot imagine becoming Christians. Well, the Lord saved Paul. He can save them. He can add even them to the church because what will do it is the Lord, not our ingenuity. This means... You know, if we want to see the church grow, probably the very best thing we can do is pray and ask the Lord to do it. Isn't that humbling? So when the Lord adds to the church, it's supernatural. It's also secure. Look back if you have your Bible still in front of you. It says, and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. That little phrase added to their number is apparently, I don't know Greek well enough to know this on my own, but it's apparently a kind of a troublesome phrase. It's hard to translate, but it's used in ancient Greek financial statements to refer to the total, to the grand total. So these people being saved that the Lord is adding to the church is is added to the total. It, it, It gives the impression that the official total of the church kept increasing. People weren't being cycled through. There weren't some who were accepted into the church and then find out, oh, never mind, this is what I thought it was, and they left. When the Lord adds to the church, it's secure. And we've seen people shoot into church, all passionate, all about it, and shoot back out. That's not how it works when the Lord does the addition. And then third, Notice from this verse that when the Lord adds to the church, the growth is sustained. It says, and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. It's the same phrase that we saw in 46, where it said, verse 46, where it said, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. 
the, the emphasis is this was an everyday thing. This was all the time. As frequently as they were getting together, the Lord was adding new believers to the church. Man, can you imagine how exciting that would be? Just every time we come to church, there's new believers to, to disciple. Every time you go to house to house, you know, there's somebody else there who wants to hear about Jesus, wants to grow and be a follower of Christ like us. It's like a, um, a drip program. My brother tried to set me up with this investment program that would drip a certain amount of money into these stocks. That whole thing intimidates me to death. He loves it. And I don't even, the amount that he wanted to drip, he's like, it's such a small amount. And he told me the amount that was going to drip out of my account every month. It's crazy. But that's sort of what, it's like a daily drip program. New believer, new believer, new believer, new believer. Now, yes, there was a huge surge. 3,000 believed in one day. And that's how the church got established. But it seems like after that, it was new believer, new believer, new believer, new believer. So different, to, it was so different from the uh, mass marketing techniques of church growth today. This is so sustainable. I mean, their program of church was so simple. They just really believed this stuff. And they devoted themselves to learning this and living by it and being together and praying together and sharing meals together. Every day, new believers, new believers, new believers. This is, I'm picturing them like dropping into the church. That's what that is, in case you're wondering. So what does this mean for us? I just want to draw your attention back to the fourfold devotion. What were the Christians busy doing? Remember, devotion means a sustained, continual giving oneself over to something. It's not a sometimes activity. This was their lives. So in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the study and application and response to God's word which I believe would have included sharing that with others because Jesus taught about that quite a bit. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the messy relational life of the church, which included radical generosity with one another of all kinds, with their time, with their resources. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, to the time-consuming rhythm of sharing meaningful meals together. And they devoted themselves to the prayers, to the invisible, humble, quiet work of praying, often with each other. That's it. That's, that's, That's what they devoted themselves to. Now, I would like to challenge you with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Lord willingly, to identify what one, two, three steps forward do you need to take in devotion to these things? Now, this is assuming that you are trusting and following Jesus already. What one, two, three clear steps forward do you need to take to devote yourselves to these things? To help you in the little book exchange library, there's a 
a list of suggestions. Maybe you should grab it on the way out. It might help you brainstorm. So if we put our foot on the gas pedal now, I have some ideas of things it might look like. Um, things I'll probably be discussing with the 2014 board. Some things that were based on a lot of your suggestions um, throughout the year and during the revival discussions. But mainly, trust and follow Jesus. Devote yourselves to these simple facets of being the church. And let's look forward expectantly to see, Lord willing, he'll add to our number. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for allowing us to be your church. Help us to trust and follow Jesus. Help us to never move beyond that step and forget him. Help us to understand what it looks like to be the church. Lord, help us be the church. And then we humbly ask you, would you, while you are making us into your church, would you add to our number? Would you save souls through us? However you choose to do it. We want to be a fruitful church, a vibrant church, a healthy church. And I believe that probably means a growing church. So we entrust ourselves into your hands and we recognize that you are the Lord. You are the master. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.